Okay, check. Check one. Check two. Check three. Alrighty. Good morning, good day, good evening, whatever it is for you. It's morning for me. Wife's getting ready for work. I got a puppy running around my feet. She's probably going to be scratching at the door in a second. As she hears uh, mama walking around. <laughs> Come on. Fleck is a Pomsky. She is a half Pomeranian, half Husky mix. She's a cute little thing. Alrighty. Carrying off with, um, we're still in Luke chapter one. I'm um, doing the first little podcast. It was fun. A little Bible study. It was fun for me. Uh, just, you know, diving into the word, getting, it's a, it's a great way to start off the day. I'm, my, my, my hope is to continue in the mornings. I definitely prefer an early morning Bible study. Start Starting my day with some, you know, positive education, with some positive learning uh, on history of Christianity. And, you know, just the way... The way we all should be trying to live. Learning, learning more about Jesus and the the teacher. I, th- I find it funny that we all choose so many different forms of distractions. You know, me included. I mean, I love sports like UFC. I, I love music very much. I'm, you know, and everyone chooses their poison in a sense when it comes to things of the world, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not meant to enjoy certain things of the world, but they're not meant to overlap where God's supposed to be in that and the hierarchy of things in our life. God is always supposed to be number one. As a teacher, Jesus should always be our number one teacher, our first teacher, our primary teacher in life and in all things. And that's just not the truth. People will put the NFL, the NBA, Major League Soccer, learning about stats and college teams and who's playing and who's coaching and who's owning the team. And they'll they'll have such intimate knowledge of those things without knowing the names of the 12 disciples, without knowing why Paul did what he did and became who he became because of the life encounter in the life experience that he had leading up to his encounter with Jesus. So little things like that, but I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent. I'm going to hop right into it. We made it all the way to verse 38 in Luke chapter one. So continuing through it, Mary visits Elizabeth. So the first one titled um, the audacity of Gabriel, that was the prior Bible study that, that I titled. It was kind of fun titling it because I kept thinking, what am I going to title it? And just kind of re- reading through the first chapter kind of uh, kind of came about. So it starts off with a dedication to Theophilus, birth of John the Baptist foretold 
birth of Jesus foretold leading into Mary visits Elizabeth. So Mary is the mother of Jesus. The angel Gabriel has visited both Mary and Elizabeth. Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, which would make John the Baptist, who's laying the way for the Lord, the cousin of Elizabeth. Um, and then John the Baptist is the cousin or second cousin of Jesus. So starting off in verse 39, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, Zechariah being the husband of Elizabeth and Zechariah being the one who encountered Gabriel prior to Mary's encounter with Gabriel. And the reason that... um, the last podcast was titled The Audacity of Gabriel was that Gabriel as an angel cloaked as, you know, a man or a person came to them and told them that Elizabeth and, and Zechariah not only are you going to have a son, you're going to name him John. So it's just the, the audacity to go up to somebody and say, this is what's going to happen. The audacity to go to Mary and say, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Jesus. That's a, that's kind of where, where that came from. It's a, there's a lot of funny things in the Bible and, and finding that, finding the comedy in the Bible, finding the comedy even through Jesus's story is, I think that's essential into falling in love with the scripture. People who take things too serious, it's, you're not going to be necessarily fun to be around. So when it comes to an evangelism standpoint, you watch any of the great preachers, there's always an element of joy and comedy in their presentation. And that's for a reason. Because you want to be taken serious, yes, but you also don't want to be like you're, you know, walking around, you know, with a stick stuck up in you and, and you're so stiff that you're, you're not, you can't go with the flow in certain situations that, that calls for, that calls for kind of liquidity. You need to be a rock when you're called to be a rock and when Jesus and God need you to be a rock. But you also need to be, you know, joyful. So, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So this is huge. This is also, in a way, proof of knowing that these were written after the fact. There wasn't a scribe necessarily walking around with them, writing as it's happening. But, you know, stories that evolve over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 70 years, um, it's kind of being presented in that way. At least that's how I'm reading it. But... The fact that when Mary greets Elizabeth and the baby, who is John, inside the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy, that's a, there's a reason that that's written. There's a reason that they put that in there. There's a reason that it's preluding or coming right before Mary saying, and why is this granted to me? Like, I'm not even worthy. Why, how has this happened to me that the mother, meaning Mary, of my Lord, 
So she's already exclaiming, Jesus, the baby in Mary's womb, as, as her Lord. The mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Which is taking heed on what Gabriel has said. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And this is written, like when you're holding your Bible and you're reading it, this is written in a, in a poetic format. Like everything prior is written in a, in a, in a generic paragraph format where everything's lined up and moving down boxed in and then this what Mary said and Mary said it's it's written in a in a way that's the format is is purposefully changed and and the reason for that acknowledging those changes in scripture when you're reading it when you're looking at it is that it acknowledges it, it bring and it's quoted as well. So there's quote there's quotation marks of like she's actually saying this, and it's written in a poetic structure to show it's to it's to take you into a new place, and that that's very mimicking, that that's uh, mimicable or, or that's very similar to some of the Old Testament scriptures when you're reading like Psalms, which are like songs and and poetry of David or Proverbs. If there's times where the New Testament kind of goes with prayer, with um, quotes, with different things. There's this format change, and that's just something to note. That's something to pay attention to because it should change your perspective on how it's being said. And it should change your perspective on on what to look for and how to feel when you're reading it. And that's And, and to me, that's critical as far as opening your mind and your heart to reading the scripture and it's a beautiful you know if you want to call it a prayer a quota but it, it, it's a beautiful one because she's essentially accepting the call for her life and, and it's something that takes so much courage to do especially when you're a, a young woman or a virgin um, prior to being married you're when you're she, she was not a full grown adult woman yet. And she's accepting this call in her life. And as we all know, God has blessed that because we still talk about her. And so as as it continues, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her home. 
Then it goes into the birth of John the Baptist. So Mary stayed about three months, and then she leaves, and now Elizabeth is finally giving birth to that baby who was leaping for joy upon Mary's arrival. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, which is just generic Hebrew culture. And they would have, they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. So if you remember Zechariah, after his encounter with Gabriel, he was in kind of such a disbelief, um, referencing to you know potentially some of the angels that I've encountered or potentially that you've encountered in your life. There's moments where you're just in such belief, disbelief of God's presence, whether it's a lack of a discernment or a lack of just paying attention to, to how God operates. And he went into this kind of state of disbelief and it, it literally led him to having a paralyzed tongue. And now naming his son John, which that's something that is another thing that, that's very strange to not carry on the father's name, especially you know 2,000 years ago during, during this time, over 2,000 years ago when this happened. To not carry on the father's name is a very strange thing, especially in this culture. So the confidence in changing the name uh, and the confidence in trusting that God's doing the right thing. So when his tongue loosed and he spoke, fear came on all the neighbors and all these things were talked about through all of the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Meaning the miracle of Elizabeth in her older age, who everyone thought was barren. God shows the mercy. Zechariah coming down with some form of illness because to the people, he would have just been sick or old or doctors would have been dumbfounded. Like, sorry, you're just never going to talk again. You know, disease could have taken out your vocal cords. A disease could have taken, paralyzed your tongue, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden he's talking, this old woman's giving birth. They're not naming him what the father's name was, which is in a way how you labeled yourself in society, whether you were going to be the son of a carpenter, the son of a blacksmith, the son of a politician, whoever you were going to end up being was derived on who your father was. And so that name change was also a signification that there was going to be a change. There's going to be the generational gap between him and his father wasn't going to be a gap of distance personally. It was going to be a gap in a social economic standpoint. John was going to do something radically different. And these are all the stepping stones towards that. And when you, when you hear about in churches or different sermons or around different people of, 
what it means to follow Jesus and transform and break generational curses. And the, the, the true proof in the pudding when it comes to following Jesus is the, it's the transformation. It's the ability to live a debt-free life when everyone else says living in debt is normal. It's the ability to break three generations or five generations of alcoholism. It's the ability to break four generations of divorce. The ability to break ten generations of being prideful, of being arrogant, of being a liar. Following Jesus allows the doors of transformation to open, which can break generational curses that some people would claim to be embedded or endued in your DNA, like stuff that's, you know, people will politicize certain things talking about, you know, there's some things you choose and there's some things you're born with, but the whole point of breaking generational curses is that God is going down to the root. He's going down to the source that he's, he goes down to the DNA and changes it and breaks it and manipulates it and transforms it into something new. So those genes or those, those codes that are going to lead you to be an alcoholic can be broken. And that doesn't mean necessarily that there's something magical is going to happen in the sense of, you know, certain temptations or tendencies are gone. But if you're the one that breaks the cycle, then your kid may have the same genes as your father and grandfather that led to alcoholism, but he's also going to have your genes that led you to stay away from it. And that's not magic. That is basic. That, that is a level of science. That is God. To end my tangent, something that I firmly and strongly believe is that God and in, in science are way more paralleled than what we've thought for hundreds of years. Science to me and to any believer should be, should always be, the discovery of God. Science does not disprove God in the least and in no way. When people discover how things work at a chemical level, at an atomic level, all that is is us being in awe of how God did it. And that's how it should always be looked at. And so, the birth of John the Baptist. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. He's going to be different. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to the father, inquiring what he wanted to be called, and he asked for writing on a tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them laid up their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Zechariah's Prophecy And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, 
Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the land of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. And that's the end of chapter 1. There's a lot of things. One thing I love about the Bible that I have, it's a, I guess it's considered the Reformation Bible. It's an English Standard Version, but there's not too much. Um, there's one website that's really awesome. If it's still up, I think it is. It's called Bible Hub, where it takes verses and it mirrors them. It takes like, you know, a dozen. It has more, but it takes like a dozen different versions of the Bible and it puts them all together. So as you're as you're reading, you can actually read like the same sentence 12 different times in 12 different slightly rearranged formats and, and kind of see capture meanings, you know, ca- capture uh, op- it opens your mind to like how certain sentences mean. Um, one thing that kind of caught my attention was, when uh, Elizabeth says his name's going to be John and Zechariah takes a tablet and he writes. So that, that right there shows that John knew how to write or at least, you know, knew some form of writing, which is, which is good, um, especially during that time. But he, he takes a tablet and nowadays we think of, you know, like an iPad or like uh, we call them tablets, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, it shows how Technologically, we might be different, but there's still a lot of things that are similar between how we are today versus how it was back then. But leading to this kind of the last part where the format changes once again, uh, changed when Mary kind of spoke her piece. And so then Zechariah's prophecy, the, it, the format of the actual scripture changes to that kind of quote, prof- prophetic prayer-like um format which is which is just super it, that's when you should always kind of shift your mind into this into like a more spiritual place reading it because it's it's meant to touch you in a, in a special way whenever whenever that kind of happens it shows the respect for God and it, it shows the it's more of an intimate layout I think just like poetry typically is but it's beautiful. The prophecy is very powerful. 
he's just blessing his son and it leads, you know, and you, just like Jesus, we, we get very tiny snippets of the youth. Um, we, we get very tiny snippets of, of John because it's just as the child grew and became strong in spirit. So just like his father who was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, which from more of a theological standpoint, this begs the question, you know, John the Baptist was born before Jesus and people say that, okay, well you have the father and then you have the son who comes in, who's Jesus and he's born and lives his life and then he dies and sends the Holy Spirit into the world. But then you look at the scripture and it clearly says, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying. So either this prophecy was spoken after Jesus died or this prophecy was spoken when the son was born and the Holy Spirit was with him then. Um, considering chapter 2 in Luke is the birth of Jesus Christ, it, it would be more appropriate, I feel like, to assume that Zechariah's prophecy was dedicated for his son and even something that was repetitively prophesied throughout the youth of his son and something that was repetitively prophesied during the young adulthood of his son. It was a, it was a cloak of armor, this prophecy that Zechariah said that he put over his son's life that shielded him from potential harm. It was a, it was a blessing that he and he put on his son that truly allowed him to be raised up by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So those are things that you know I I've heard theologically discussed. I I know that that's you know you have God and then Jesus came and then the Holy Spirit came, but clearly here the Holy Spirit was with Zechariah. And it that's another reason that Christianity strongly links God the Father and Holy Spirit as three separate spirits and, and beings who are also all unified. They, they're all three parts of a whole, even though they're all whole parts individually. And as crazy as that concept as that is, if you're someone who believes in the stars and zodiac signs, it's way more presentable it, to me at least. It's way more tangible to believe that Jesus is God incarnate to believe that the spirit of the Lord in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit is, is the way that us as outsiders can attach ourselves to God and that's how we can hear his calling over our life. That's how we can be guided away from temptation. That's how we can it's the it's the power the Holy Spirit gives us the power to break those generational curses to start something new to be something new. It gives us the confidence and the courage to change our name. So instead of blessing your son with who you are and what you are, you can take the good parts of you that are God, that are the Holy Spirit in you, and bless them upon your son 
And instead of giving him your name, like Zachariah could have given his name Zachariah, it opens the door for him to be something brand new. And in this case, he becomes John the Baptist. Well, that's about it. We're on chapter two. I don't know how long it's been. About half an hour. Keep on learning. Keep on growing. Like I said, I don't feel called to necessarily pray in or pray out. These things, it's just, uh, it, it's not necessarily, um, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for this type of, you know, podcast or this type of uh, Bible study. It's one of those things where my hope and prayer is that throughout this, it would give you little bits and pieces to meditate on, to pray on when you're alone with family or anything like that. And, uh, I hope, I hope you learned a little bit of something. I know that I'm, I'm learning as I go. So I don't, I definitely don't have all the answers. I don't want to come across like I, I don't want to come across as arrogant. I don't want to come across as naive. I don't want to come across as, you know, uneducated either. Um, but I'm a student. That's what disciple means. I'm a, I'm a student of Jesus. I'm learning about Jesus. And my hope is that you learn with me and that we grow together and that, as we dive deeper and deeper, that our, our faiths get stronger, our relationship with Jesus gets stronger, our relationship with our families gets stronger, our relationships with our friends get stronger. And I hope we all, you know, really dwell and, and meditate and pray on these things that, um, so we can just push forward in life and, and all make it through this and live lives that are blessed and lives lives that make God happy because that's all that matters is, is to please the one who we are dedicating our lives to serve. Um, now to ask a favor, it is to, if you are hearing this, to share it with somebody, to encourage people to listen and grow with us. And, you know, they might not like my format or how I'm doing this, but the, the more people we reach, the more people the message can get to. And that 1% who do prefer this format, who do want to learn this way, who don't have the time to pick up the Bible, this can give them an avenue to do that. My goal is to really try to avoid long tangents, but I do want to bring in certain things if I read or study about something that, that could be relevant or could be truly helpful in explaining certain verses. I'm going to do my best to do that, but I definitely do not want to overstep. I do not want to overreach. I'm genuinely trying to just read the Bible verbatim as we all grow and learn and dive deeper into our relationship with Jesus. So have a good day and keep tuning in. Thank you.